asking Bible app here. Um, I don't know, uh, Brother Mark, maybe if you still have the, or if you have a, the word in front of you uh, on the screen, maybe you could pull up. I'd like to read from uh, uh, Hebrews 4 this morning. But mm -hmm. maybe before I... I can try. Yeah. Before I do that, I, I'd like to just offer some reflections how I um, arrived at this passage, how I, how I believe the Lord laid it on my heart. Um, just when we heard the news of, of Brother Gaber's passing um, yesterday, this passage came to mind. Um, you know, whenever anyone passes away, um, it causes you, obviously, to reflect on them and on their lives, so your interaction with them, and uh, all the things that um, you you did with them or experienced, and kind of the totality, then it kind of sums in their, in their character, and you think of them and with fondness, you remember good times that were had together. Um, causes you also to reflect on their final state too. You know, is it now well with their soul? Are they have they entered into into rest? And uh, um, I trust that that brother Gaber is with the Lord, just as I I hope for myself that that is my end too. That all those that call upon the name of the Lord, that believe in Him, that that trust in the salvation that's declared in the Bible and uh, follow their master will one day see him. That's my hope for myself and my hope for Brother Gaber too. But that's, you know, as, I, as we reflect on that, whenever anyone passes, then I think our thoughts inevitably turn to ourselves and we start to think about ourselves and our own uh, lives and what stage of life are, are we at? Um, what's the hope that we have for the end of our lives? Um, Also, I was thinking about Sister Margaret, too, and uh, her years now of, of faithful service to her husband in caring for him at the end of his life. And how this point, though it must be one of great sorrow for her and um, at, at that parting, is probably a, a, a point of rest for her, too, a rest from her labors of this past uh, number of years that have probably been increasingly difficult, and then especially with uh, with the whole uh, coronavirus thing, must have been made even more difficult for her. And I'm and I'm sure, as as sad as she is to to see her dear husband go, that this is a a point of rest for her too, a rest from her labors. And uh, that uh, you know, those thoughts again reflect on myself, and I, I think, will I be able to be faithful? Uh, to to my care for my loved ones, if if and when they are in that situation, um, those kind of questions, will I be able to labor in the way that will be honor the Lord? Um, and so I was thinking about that, the immediate circumstances of, of, of Brother Gaber's passing, and then you know, the, in conjunction with this time that we're in, as we enter. week six of, of this lockdown and what for many people will be um, uh, an increasing restlessness as they, as they, that strong desires that things would return to normal, things would return to the way that they, they, they were. And, and as people are stuck within their walls and maybe they can venture out a little bit and now that the weather's nicer, but uh, that restlessness of, of being with themselves for so long and, and uh, not uh, a restlessness of not knowing 
what the future holds. How long is this going to go on? How long um, are we going to be like this? When can things go back to normal? And I'm sure there was a restlessness that's engendered from that. And, um, you know, that all of that led me to, to think about this passage here, Hebrews chapter 4, about God's rest and, uh, um, you know, our response to that invitation to rest. So I'd like to read now Hebrews uh, chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. And here I may pause and say the, the them in this verse refers to the children of Israel in the desert, the, the previous chapter. If you go back and read it, you could get the whole context, starting from about verse 7. So let's continue on, uh, chapter 4, verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing, therefore, it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief, again he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time. As it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus, or Joshua, had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth, therefore, a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Uh, I've read to the end of the chapter. May God bless the, the reading of his word. So, rest. This chapter seems to have a lot to say about it, and it seems to be speaking about two types of rest. Maybe some other scripture passages uh, um, flesh that out more, but really there is um, two aspects of rest here. And maybe before we even explore that and, 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 and meditate on it, let's even define the term, what is rest? 
Uh, rest is, I think we all understand intuitively what it is, but it's a, it's a cessation of, of work or of struggle or of toil. Um, and conversely, restlessness is, is that inability to rest or relax, maybe because of anxiety or, or maybe because of something as, as, as prosaic as boredom. A lot of people are restless because they're bored or they're worried. So rest and restlessness. The writer of Hebrews talks about this rest of God, entering into his rest, entering into my rest, as God says. And this rest has, has really two aspects. It has a present aspect, a present rest, and a future rest. Um, if you go back, as, as, we, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning, or chapter three, the previous chapter, the writer of Hebrews takes this extended illustration, an extended example of the children in Israel, the children of Israel, as they wandered in the desert for 40 years and were not able to enter into the promised land, the, the land of rest, because of their unbelief. And that he holds up this example for the believer and, and says, uh, uh, be careful, uh, you know, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. After giving this example, quoting from, um, I believe part of it is from Psalm 95 here. Look, uh, yes, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, is in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. So the writer of Hebrews holds up this example, and he holds it up really in two ways. Of, of them not entering into rest, the rest that God is is now proclaiming in Jesus Christ because of unbelief and not being able to enter into that future rest, the rest that God has planned, as you see in verses uh, 8, 9, and 10 here of this chapter. So back in Exodus, Exodus 33 is the, the example. What is this rest? Exodus 33, this happens just after the, the idolatry at Mount Sinai where they, the children of Israel made the golden calf when Moses was up in the mount. And then um, um, after this, God says, go and go into the promised land. I will send an angel before you. And, um, and Moses says, oh, oh no. And, and not only Moses, but the people Verse 4 of chapter 33, when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on his ornaments. The people realized the gravity of this, that God was not going to go with them into the promised land. And um, and Moses, he pleads and he intercedes with, with God uh, as God had appointed him to do, as God desired him to do, fulfilling that, that, that role that God expected of him. Uh, and, and God says, um, it's not that, that God somehow um, changes his mind. He's greater than that. He sees the end from the beginning, but he shows his heart uh, to Moses, even in, in, the, in, the, in response to this pleading and this intercession. He says, I will go with you. And he says something to Moses, which I think ultimately is, is a promise. It's a promise to all, but really Moses is the one that experiences it. Only those that, that, that um, believed God and trusted him that actually entered the promised land, um, Joshua and Caleb, etc., because um, that whole generation that had sinned died in the wilderness. 
and God promises to him and said, um, now, therefore, uh, after Moses is, is, is pleading uh, with him for him to go, and he, and he said, my presence, verse 14, shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. So this rest of God, this, this present form of, 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 the, of rest from God is the rest that comes from his presence, is the rest that uh, comes from being in his presence, of um, having a relationship with him resting in that and that's the form of rest that moses could have in the desert as he dealt with a fractious and difficult and evil generation of of unbelievers those that withstood him and countless not countless but they were counted uh thousands died at different points and and different punishments that god uh, that god uh, allowed to happen to the children of israel so this present form of, of rest we see is the presence of god i will go with thee and I will give thee rest. And this is the, the rest that's talked about in the Psalms, the, the uh, Psalm 23, which we know and love. Uh, the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me in green pastures and beside the still waters. The sense of rest that God provides, the feeding of my soul. The Psalm 116, one of my favorite Psalms, which uh, has, a, has a line in there about Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. This sense of, of, because of my relationship with the Lord, because of my knowledge of his goodness, my delight in it, that is a source of rest, a source of, of refreshment, of um, a cessation of struggle and of toil. So that is the present form of God's rest. And of course, this present form of his rest is brought to full fruition full clarity in in jesus christ and his invitation come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for i am meek and lowly of heart and ye shall receive rest for your souls so this invitation of rest that that jesus extends on the basis of his completed work but as he extends it in the in the form and the message of the gospel to rest, present form of rest. And this rest, as we can see here in this passage in, in Hebrews uh, 4, is achieved, is entered into by faith, by belief. Now, I marvel, and the more I read this, this passage in Hebrews 4, how these two terms, we'll talk a little bit about the future sense of rest, but this present sense of rest and future sense of rest are really woven throughout this chapter. And you really have a hard time to, to say, well, this verse is that form of it and this verse is that form of it. It's really, uh, they're overlaid in so much of a sense. Just as salvation, the very concept of salvation is overlaid. The present, I am saved by God's uh, grace and mercy. I'm in, in a state of, of, of redemption, but I will be saved. And I must continue in that state of, of, of belief and trust to enjoy and experience that full salvation that comes when the Lord returns and claims his own. So the same with rest. There is a present state of rest, but there is also a future future state. So we see verse 3 back here in, in chapter 4 of Hebrews. For we which have believed do enter into rest. And he that's the contrast that, that the writer of Hebrews draws with this example of the children of Israel. It, of Israel. it was because they did not believe. They did not believe the promises 
that God had given them in terms of that promised land that they could have entered within 40 days after leaving Egypt. They, they did not believe in God's provision. They were not grateful for that provision in the desert. Uh, they, there was a continual wailing, a looking back to Egypt. That is the state of unbelief. And that is the state of all those who do not believe in Christ's sufficiency either. So we which have believed do enter into rest. So this is a rest that's grasped by faith. And and it's uh, um, there's a bit of a digression here. Not a digression, but a, um, perhaps a... Um, um, a fleshing out of this idea as, as the writer in verses 4 and, and 5 and 6 talks a little bit more about this rest and shows that it's really, you know, this example I'm holding up to you is really, in its truest sense, a spiritual example. The promised land was not um, that ultimate rest, my rest, as God says, that he had, had uh, designed for his children. Uh, the promised land was... Um, physical boundary, but the example the writer's holding up here is, means so much more. It means it's looking towards that future ultimate rest that God has designed for all those that believe him. And that's really what he's in verses 4 and, and 5 and 6. Um, he illustrates and he says, no, no, no. Look, even in Psalm 95, after so much, so long a time, the writer of Psalm 95, David, is saying, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. So there remains a rest to the people of God. There is something that is still promised to us. And um, it's, it's, this is what is our hope as believers in Christ Jesus, that there is a future rest. As we experience this life, as we experience all the things that, that could push us out of that state of, 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 of contentment and trusting in Jesus— our hope in that future state of rest is is what sustains us. I, I'm sure it's what sustains uh, people in difficult times. Uh, I'm sure it's what sustained Brother Gaber. I, I'm sure it's what sustained uh, Sister Margaret in her service to her husband. Um, and I'm sure it's what sustained believers that suffered persecution, difficulty. Yes, they had a present state of rest as they, they joyed in the the presence of their Redeemer and Savior, Jesus, and, and the Holy Spirit within them. But it was all, the hopes were pinned on that future state of rest. And that is why we need to labor to enter into that rest. There is still, there seems, it seems to be a paradox, you know, here, if, if we are in a state of rest and we've ceased from our works, then why must we, we then labor to enter into that rest? Because there is still a form of labor that's required. There is still um, a pressing forward into that rest, and that—that's what the the, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews. That's his whole burden for the for this uh, for those those he's writing to is is that they are turning from this. They are um, not pursuing it with with zeal, and and they're they're still being babes and, and looking back at carnal things and and um, not pressing into trusting fully in Jesus as the as the source of that rest. And the, and the future bringer of that ultimate rest. Um, what does this mean to labor to enter into that rest? Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Well, I think part of the way we can understand that is looking at the previous verse. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased 
from his own works as God did from his. A labor to enter into God's rest is not a reliance on our own works, our own achievements, our own um, either our own achievements to attain a certain amount of rest or, or comfort or, or uh, happiness in this life. That will never give us the rest. Or relying on our own works to achieve a certain level of acceptance with God, that as long as I do these things, that's what will make me acceptable with him. I need to truly rest on the completed work of, of Jesus uh, as I labor to enter into that rest. I need to um, honor him in what I'm doing at, on the basis of, of, of what he's done for me. So an uh, example of this would be even our gathering here this morning. If, if I was to rely on, on, on my own uh, speaking abilities or ability to prepare or... Um, my my human efforts to bless you all through this meeting, I, I think it would be a, a pretty dismal failure. But it is only as I rely on the promise of Jesus Christ that he will be here in the midst of us as we gather together, that his spirit will be the one that's convicting, that will we'll take these words that I utter and will transform them as they enter your ears and, and apply it to your, your life and your heart. Um, as his spirit does that, that will be the blessing. That's the promise that I rely on. Now, do I just sit back and say, well, it doesn't really matter what I say. And um, let's just all be silent now and just let that silence speak to you. There's a place for silence. No, there is a laboring. There is a, a striving, um, a diligence that's required, a discipline that, you know, I look at my own life. Many times it is lacking. That discipline to to exercise and to labor, to, to enter into that rest. Uh, and that's what the writer is trying to encourage uh, the, the, the readers of Hebrews. I think that's what he is um, trying to encourage us this morning about this, this future rest we need to labor to enter into. Then this passage, the next falling passage after this is uh, verses 12 and, and 13. Now, I got to say, before I was familiar with the, with, the, with the epistle to the Hebrews, I was familiar with this passage. And that's it, good. It's a good memor, uh, memorizational aid. It's good standing on its own as a, as a passage that stands on its own that can be lodged in your mind about the word of God being quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. But it is in the context of us laboring to enter into that rest, that the word of God is the thing, is the one who clarifies for us whether we are laboring to enter into that rest or whether we are striving or whether we are falling into a heart of unbelief. The word of God is quick, is alive, is powerful. Not only is it alive, it's powerful and it can accomplish what God designed it to do. And what it is designed to do in, in beautiful poetic language almost sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And, and I, the reason I say poetic is that some of the language, joints and marrow, I, I don't think the word of God is concerned with the separation between, you know, your, your bone and, and where your tendon joins your bone or, or the physical aspects of your body, though God speaks to all of that and how he's marvelously created it. But the word of God as it applies to you is concerned with all those 
motivations and all those things that could make a right act wrong, all those um, thoughts that could rob your actions of their, the, the glory that they are designed to give to God. Uh, it, it is designed to reveal to you where you are not doing what you should. It's designed to reveal to you where you're thinking about yourself in a way that is not in accordance with God's word, whether it's um, despair where you shouldn't be despairing or whether it's uh, pride where you are thinking too highly of yourself. This is the discerning. This is the dividing nature of, of God's word is that it separates. And the word, at, at a point like this, it's useful to remember the word of God is Jesus Christ. He's the word come in the flesh. So as I look to Jesus Christ, his example, all of his teachings, all of his um, example of love, that is what needs to cut and divide and say, Eric, you haven't been really motivated by love in this action or in this interaction with this person. You aren't really following your master and Lord Jesus Christ. This is not part of the rest, the labors uh, to enter into that rest. And that's what how the word cuts and it shapes and it divides to purify us and bring us closer to the image of, of Christ. Because we cannot hide from our maker. And... It's not only that he sees us from heaven above, but he sees us through the pages of this word. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things, every aspect of my life, every thought, every part of my thought life, my uh, intentions, my actions, my plans is manifest. All things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And the word here, opened, is, uh, is it's, it's, this is the only place, this particular Greek word, trakalizo, I don't know how to pronounce it, um, is, is used in uh, the Bible. And really it's used uh, in other places, it's not in the Bible, but in other Greek writings it's used to, to describe how, how wrestlers would get uh, uh, their opponent in a certain hold where they would open them up, basically. They would be exposed you know, your trachea, right? That's the, the your throat. That's a vulnerable area of your body. What you always defend when you're when you are uh, facing an opponent. But if the wrestler can expose that, can get you in a hold that exposes that, it's over. It's game over. So in that sense, we're undone. We're open unto the word of God. It reveals. Um, it undoes us completely, and that's what it was designed to do. And my friend, outside of Christ, you're you're resisting. That opening, that cutting, that the, that God has designed to do in your life as you read this word. So please read it. If you want to be, if you want to enter in that rest, if you realize your state of restlessness, of, of, of dissatisfaction, of, of, of unknown, um, fear of the unknown, or whatever it is, read your Bible. Be cut, be opened by the working of, of the Spirit of God through these pages. The other thing that this word of God does is it points us to our high priest. It reminds us that Jesus is a high priest, an intercessor. So the form of, of assurance that, that we have as we look to him, that's how the chapter concludes. We have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. We have a great advocate here and now in our present circumstance with God the Father. And... 
we need to approach that fact, that uh, great opportunity in faith. We need to come boldly unto that high priest. We need to to be persistent and um, and uh, not uh, give up easily because he knows everything that we're going through. He experienced it himself. We, he, he was always touched to the feeling of our infirmities. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So this is the means of entering into that rest, the final rest that God will give to all those that believe in him and the present rest we enjoy in our high priest, Jesus. It's important in all this, in, in, in thinking about that final rest, that end of our life, that we acknowledge that God is the determiner of when that will happen. He is the, the grantor of that final rest. And again, with Brother Gaber, I'm reminded of that too. It, it, to, to the unbeliever, it looks pitiful. You know, as, as, as our bodies slowly decay, our bodies and minds slowly decay, and things get more and more difficult to the point where we, first of all, can't uh, move and, and, and go about the way we used to, and then uh, we can't talk the way we used to or think the way we used to, and then we can't even eat the way we used to. And slowly things decay and decay. It looks pitiful. And, and you know, as well as I do, the, the modern movement and now the, the legal changes in this own country uh, regarding euthanasia and, and, um, and death with dignity, as, as, the, as the term is, um, is, I guess, a whitewashed. But really, it's, it's a choosing of your death, of a taking of life before, um, in advance, or not relying, not acknowledging God as the one, the giver of life and the taker of life. And um, to those who, who don't believe this end of life suffering looks pitiful and, and, and needless and painful, but to the one who acknowledges God, this, this is God honoring. This is evil being overcome with good. This is a life of faith ending in faith. That's what this is. And this is a laboring to enter into that rest. Even when that laboring is just a groaning and a, and a pending and a, and a waiting on God for that moment when you can finally be relieved of this earthly tabernacle that that's imprisoning your soul it's a labor it's a labor that will be rewarded see because there are really two only two final end states for man it's a state of restlessness of forever restlessness or of ultimate and final rest revelations 14 Revelations chapter 14, verse 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, 
and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. That's the, the state of no rest. No rest day or night, forever. Contrasted with, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. There are only two states, two end states for man, and the point of decision is today, here and now, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts, enter into that rest through faith and enjoy that ultimate rest, or be lost forever as you worship the beast and receive his mark in your forehead. My brother and sister, there is a choice too today for you. That warning in Hebrews was a today warning for the believer. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Be careful, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Because you still need to labor to enter into that rest. May the Lord grant clarity for us to see how we need to rest in the finished work of Jesus and how we still need to labor to enter into that ultimate rest, which he will give to all those that love his appearing. May God bless his word. Um, this concludes the message. And now would be a good time uh, if we could sing hymn number two. As you get older and as things fail, the rest looks more and more appealing. Eventually, that's what you want. Brother Dilma has ended in his rest. Brother Dilma was a very patient person. He loved the children. He communicated with them. They were very hospitable. I remember the time when, when I used to come to Toronto at first, that their home was always open to him. It was very, very helpful for a single person coming to a big city where he could get easily lost. May he rest in peace, dear father. Thank you, the glory evermore. Amen.